Have you ever wondered how the Bible came to be? It's a rather complicated tale. Stick around and we'll try to figure it out. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. For 2,000 years, Jews and Christians alike have read and venerated the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, otherwise known as the Old Testament. While Jews and Christians organize the Hebrew Bible differently, the books are essentially the same. Yet we rarely talk about how these books were chosen and which books were excluded and why. As we will discuss in a future episode, many Jews believe that the five books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy, are the word of God, given to Moses in their entirety on Mount Sinai. In modern times, liberal Jews have questioned this concept due to current theories of biblical sources. But again, we'll look at this in greater detail later. Let's talk then about the criteria for inclusion. The most important criteria are that the specific book refers to God and aligns with Jewish thought. No book, for example, can speak to the primacy of the Canaanite god Baal. Second, the book must be written in Hebrew or Aramaic. Pieces of 2 Kings and Daniel, for example, are in Aramaic, which is understandable given that Aramaic was the lingua franca of the Middle East, even after Alexander the Great extended the Hellenistic Greek Empire to the Indus River. Greeks slowly began to replace Aramaic in the Levant. By the time of Jesus, Koina, New Testament Greek, was spoken. But books were written in Koina were not included. Third, the later books of the Bible had to align with rabbinic thought. We'll see later how certain books did not align with their thinking, recognize that in the end, the Bible is a rabbinic product. The Hebrew Bible, called the Tanakh, is divided into three sections. Torah, Nevi'im, the prophets, and Ketuvim, the writings. When we put the first letters of these three sections together, we get the acronym Tanakh. According to Professor Lauren Schiffman, the Torah arose during the Persian period about 540 BCE. The Babylonian exile, which was around 586 BCE, a bit earlier, saw the collation of the prophets. The writings took a bit longer. This section of the Torah was not completed until the second century of the Common Era. There is even a Talmudic debate over the Song of Songs, centered around Rabbi Akiva, who declared that all books of the Bible are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holy of holies. Rabbi Akiva died in 135 CE, a martyr during the failed Bar Kokhba revolt. Knowing this, we can assume that the debate over canonization, the inclusion of books in the Tanakh, lasted over 600 years and overlapped with the similar process in Christianity. The Torah is the five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are the books that Jews traditionally believe God gave directly to Moses on Mount Sinai. Consequently, the Torah has attained the highest level of holiness. And when we look at the ark that sits in front of the sanctuary, we see Sifrei Torah, scrolls that contain the five books of Moses, written by hand with a special ink on tanned sheepskin. Nevi'im, the prophets, is the second section of the Tanakh. 
Nevi'im is actually divided into two parts, the historical writing and the writing prophets. The historical record includes the books of Joshua, Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, and 1st and 2nd Kings. The writing prophets include Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the Twelve, a collection of shorter prophetic works like Micah, Hosea, Jonah, and Malachi. The Twelve are so named because, one, there are 12 of them, and two, together they fit nicely on one scroll. The third section is Ketuvim, the writings. Again, we can divide this section further into Psalms, wisdom literature, and historical works. Psalms are self-explanatory. These are the 150 poems that the Levites would sing during the days of the first and second temple. Jews still sing Psalms during worship today. The wisdom literature includes Proverbs, Job, and what we call the five Megillot, small scrolls that are read during certain Jewish holidays. Ecclesiastes in Hebrew Kohelet is literature reportedly written by King Solomon. Esther, of course, is read at Purim. Song of Songs, another book attributed to King Solomon, is read at Passover and during the interim between Passover and Shavuot, while the Book of Ruth is read during Shavuot. Lamentations, the fifth scroll, which details the emotional toll that the destruction of the first temple took on the Jews, is read on the ninth of Av, a summer fast day that commemorates the destruction of both temples. Tradition ascribes lamentations to the prophet Jeremiah, who lived at the time of the destruction of Jerusalem. The historical works that conclude Ketuvim, and therefore the entire Tanakh, are Ezra, Nehemiah, and First and Second Chronicles. These books tell the story of Israel from the perspective of the Davidic monarchy, as well as detail the return from Babylonian exile. We can include Daniel in this grouping, as it is set during the days of the Babylonian exile, albeit after the Persians conquered Babylon. If you are a Christian, a Protestant, Catholic, or even Eastern Orthodox, you might have thought that my description of the books is a bit off. Christian Bibles order the books differently, and in the Catholic Bible, even add a few books. We'll talk about these differences after the break. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Park. Before we return to our discussion of the structure of the Tanakh, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Please remember to review and rate this episode on Apple, Spotify, or whatever service you are using. Also, please go back and listen to previous episodes if you have not done so already. A transcript is also available on our website, www.torahforchristians.net. And if you would like to read my weekly Torah study, please go to Bible Stories They Never Taught You in Religious School, available for free on www.substack.com or also on our website. I have also started another Substack page called Wednesday Torah, where I share random thoughts on the Jewish experience. Please subscribe to both. So, what is the difference between the Tanakh and a Christian Bible? The most obvious thing, of course, is that Jews do not accept the New Testament books as sacred writ. 
We'll come back to this in a later podcast, but you can also go back to the earliest episodes of Torah for Christians to learn more. If you recall the criteria for inclusion, however, you will quickly realize that one, the books were not written in Hebrew, but in Greek. Two, they are not reflective of rabbinic Judaism. And three, they raised Jesus to divine status, which for Jews is theologically unacceptable. Christians change the order of the books, and Catholics even add more books to the canon. Broadly speaking, the Protestant Bible places the prophetic works last in the order and moves First and Second Chronicles, as well as Ezra, Nehemiah, and Ruth to the historical works section. Lamentations and Daniel become prophetic books. Catholics and Eastern Orthodox Christians also add the apocryphal editions to the Book of Esther, as well as including apocryphal works such as Judith, Tobit, and the books of the Maccabees to their respective canons. What then is the Apocrypha? Apocrypha is a Greek word that means hidden. These are books that the rabbis deemed unacceptable for inclusion in the canon. Many of these works were written in Greek, but some of them did not reflect rabbinic values, such as Ecclesiasticus, also called the Wisdom of Ben Sirah. And finally, some books reminded the rabbis of rather unpleasant experiences. The books of the Maccabees, for example, were written in Greek, but more important, reminded the rabbis of the religiously corrupt Hasmonean rulers, and especially of the civil war that the Pharisees, the forebearers of the rabbis, successfully prosecuted against the Sadducees and their Hasmonean benefactors. There is yet a third collection of books excluded from Bibles of all faiths called the Pseudepigrapha. These are much more fanciful works, such as Esdras and Enoch, which take on an almost mystical composition. These works are considered outside of mainstream Jewish beliefs, even though they are of great casual and scholarly interest. It is impossible, of course, to show a comparative chart of the various Bible books in a podcast. But if you go online, especially to a site like Jewish and Christian Bibles, a comparative chart found at www.catholic-resources.org, you can see the differences for yourself. I highly encourage you to do so. This and websites that list the books of the Apocrypha and Pseudepigrapha are noted in the footnotes to the transcript. Next week, we will dive deeper into how the Torah, the five books of Moses, came to be. We will focus on the so-called documentary hypothesis, as well as look at alternatives and modifications to it. While this hypothesis is controversial, as my undergraduate Bible professor, the great Dr. David Noel Friedman said, it's what we have until something better comes along. And since this theory has held for almost 200 years, it seems to have legs. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. Please be sure to check out our website, www.torforchristians.net, for a full list of podcast episodes. I'm sure that you will enjoy listening to all of them. In addition, you can subscribe to my Substack columns, Weekly Torah, and Occasional Weekday Musing about the world around us, based on the principles of the Torah, as well as Bible stories they never taught you in religious school, a weekly Torah study, which is published every Friday morning. I'm sure that you will enjoy all these offerings. Have a wonderful week and remember, Ine Matova Umanaim Shevatachim Gam Yachad. 
how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together as one. Litro'ot till we meet again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians.